Hello, this is Avery Berkemeyer here with Tyler Hafford from Penobscot Financial Advisors, and this is Financial Discretion Advised. We're going to have some light conversation on some pretty serious financial planning topics. Today, we're going to start with the basics, the planning process. Before we dive into it, I really want to tell everyone, if you haven't listened to episode one, go back, listen to episode one. It is going to frame the kind of view that Aver and I are going to take on all of these kind of financial strategies and financial topics. I think it's really important. Go back, listen, subscribe, download, tell your friends, call your mother up, tell her about it. We're also starting a YouTube channel. Uh, we're going to have some live live videos on there um, of the podcast, financial kind of market commentary down the road a little bit. Um, Jim and Jim and Sam, who, who you would have heard in episode two, if you would have went back and listened to it. Um, and if you haven't, you should go back and listen to episode two. Episode two, subscribe, save, download, tell everyone. Very entertaining. You know, actually, you don't even have to listen. If you just subscribe or tell a friend yeah. or download, I mean, that's good, right? You can put your phone on mute, play it, hey, get the viewership out. That is perfect. And add a little thumb, uh, click the up one. We would appreciate that. <laughs> um, but, I, you know, we're going to talk about the planning process. To me, I think this is the biggest barrier a lot of people have in contacting a financial advisor because there's such an unknown about what is this going to look like? What, right. what am I getting into? Um, luckily, the CFP board kind of gives us some direction here. And if you're going to be talking to anyone about your financial planning needs, a CFP is a great place to start. Uh, Abram, talk us through kind of the first or the six steps of that financial planning process. Yeah, like you said, six step process, pretty simple. I think the first step is the easiest one to understand. You just got to get out there and establish a relationship. So, you know, when you're looking for an advisor that you should be talking to them about your needs, that advisor should be talking to you about their services and then, you know, where the two overlap and what services you're going to consume. It's very important just to get that set from the, on, from the outset. And then that way, you know, there's no miscommunications going forward. Right. And people understand, you know, what they're getting from their financial advisor and the advisor understands what their client needs to get from them. Right. Um, as far as the services go. Like, I can't just come and, and come in here and say, I want you to help me with my money. I have to say, you know, Abram, I'm looking at buying two lizards and a goat in 10 years. How do I get there? Um, well, I got a lizard guy and a goat guy. So I'm going to get you a great deal. Yeah. So establishing that relationship, I think it's important. Um, I think it's one of those steps that just seems like it will take care of itself. But when you're engaging with a financial advisor, understanding what the roles are going to look like, what that relationship is going to encompass, right. um, the pros and cons of that relationship, right. I think is really important. And start what that advisor can do for you. I mean, you know, you might be meeting with an attorney that does estate planning and, you know, maybe they do a light financial plan, but that's not the core of their business. And so they can help you with some of the major principles with a, within financial planning, but really, you know, their main focus is to help you with your estate plan. And they maybe yeah. they don't focus as much on the retirement plan and just understanding that from the beginning. So that way you're not going into a relationship thinking that you're going to get something else that the advisor is not offering. Right. Um, and yeah, really just making sure you're on the same page. So that way, you know, the advisor wants to have a good relationship with his clients. The client wants a good relationship with their advisor. Yeah. The best way to do it is just to make sure, you know, you say you need a life insurance plan. I can let you know how we can help you with that. And yeah. so that we define the parameters and make sure the relationship. Is and, you know, I think, 
I think for any any people out there that are going to be engaging in financial advisors, this is the time to have those questions that we talked about in episode one. Um, right. Are you a fiduciary? Yeah. How are you compensated? Right. Um, can you sell me financial products? And do you get a kickback on that? Yeah. Um, it, when you're establishing this relationship, it is not just for the financial advisors side of the table, right? You need to be establishing what are, what's going on here? What are the rules we're going to play by? And how can you help me get to where I need to go? So, yeah. Yeah, I think it's really crucial and, and one that a lot of people just kind of overlook, think that it's, it's going to work itself out. Yeah, yeah. And I always tell all my prospective clients, you know, you're doing your due diligence. I have no problem with you meeting with other firms, you know. Right. I'm going to try and win over your business, but the way I operate with my clients and the way our business is set up and, yeah. you know, I believe it to be in the best interest of everyone and what people should be looking for so yeah you know you got to go out there and do your own due diligence and find out which relationship is going to work the best for you yeah um and yeah once you find that once you find that right fit you know typically either tyler or i you know i don't know if there's that many other great advisors out there besides craig and jim um but once you find that right fit that's when we start diving a little bit more into the actual details of a financial plan Right. Um, and we move on to step two, which is the gather data and develop financial goals stage. Yeah. Here at PFA, we call that our fact-finding meeting, um, where we just jump in, get down to know. Very, very simply, what I like to tell clients I'm working with, or prospective clients, of what that that meeting is. It is a it's a meeting surrounding where are we today, and where do we want to go. Right. Yeah. Let's get a real good picture of. What how things are looking today, cash flow, assets, debt, what's that all look like? And then shift the entire conversation into what do we want it to look like? What is kind of the fun side of this? What's retirement look like? Do we want to buy a home in five years? Do we want to help the, the grandkids uh, through college? All of these things that we uh, aspirations to do with our money down the road. Um, this meeting is just, all right, where are we starting from and where do we want to end? Yeah. Right. Yeah. There's really two big components to the meeting. One, we need you to gather some documents for us, you know, right. Definitely get the, get the hard data, the numbers of what account balances and current investments are. And if you got a will in place, how does it read? And yeah. you know, things of that nature, but then really the, the main purpose of that conversation is those documents, like you said, they're point A, your goals, that's what we need to uncover and, and find out what you want to do, what you want to accomplish. And, then it's going to be our goal as your financial advisor to fill in the middle and create right. that financial plan that's going to get you from point A to point B and uh, leave you satisfied. How do, how do we go from I have $10 today to two lizards and a go down the road, right? Yeah. Uh, let us kind of, or the financial advisor, kind of direct that path and the best ways to do it. Um, but, you know, what I think a lot of people have a hard time with in this stage as well is just being completely honest with, the financial advisor about what's going on, good or bad. Right. Um, is that old saying, you know, garbage in, garbage out. Yeah. That's why that's why we ask for statements, you know. They simply like, you know, every now and then you just get something that you overlooked or you maybe you forgot about an account or, or you had an old retirement plan. There's questions you don't know. That yeah. Your answer is you don't know that the questions are maybe coming. it didn't seem important at the time. Mm -hmm. But I think if you're doing your due diligence as a, a client or a prospective client at the beginning of the relationship when you're establishing a relationship. If you are sitting in a, in a fact-finding, gathering data kind of conversation with a financial advisor and you do not feel comfortable telling them all about your assets, all about your debt, all, both sides of the sheet, then I think you need to go back to step one and right. find someone who's sitting across the table. And this is why that fiduciary conversation is so important. 
is that if you know the person sitting across the table is working in your best interest, there is no reason to feel like I need to hold on to some assets and not tell them about it because they might be money grabbing and trying to get them. Or, you know, I have a, a lot of debt out there, but it's kind of embarrassing. I don't want to kind of bring it up right now. Yeah. The financial advisor is there to help you conquer all of that and, mm -hmm. and find strategies to do it. So I think, you know, when you come into those meetings, just remember um, if you've done your due diligence and if you've got the right person across the table, tell them everything and yeah. you can get a good holistic comprehensive financial plan out of it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think that, you know, kind of segues us into our next section, which is step three, where we take over and we start developing your financial plan. Uh, step three is all about analyzing and evaluating your financial status and then, um, you know, putting together the recommendations that are going to set you up for success going forward. So I know on our end, we tell clients one to three weeks and it's kind of like this nebulous of, all right, what are they doing? Yeah, yeah we, we, we get down yeah, like, and start doing it more. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The smoke goes up and <laughs> you just see some, some shadows and some lights and the organ some loud noises. Yeah. yeah. And then the magic is going on. That's where, you know, we're taking all of those inputs and we're running all the numbers to make yeah. sure, you know, you know, debt ratios are in line, you know, something that we can easily identify as a red flag or maybe there's a cash and debt management problem if household costs are too high or consumer debt's too high. Yep. Um, you know, we run those ratios and we know the industry standards that are going to raise that red flag to us that's going to inform us on what recommendations we need to make with you. And, you know, a lot of it is a lot of the numbers, a lot of the statistics and getting into the, uh, the assumptions of the plan. So, yeah, when we're putting together a plan, we're looking at long-term projections. That means we need to account for inflation. We need to account for different investment returns and coordinate that with what you think your risk tolerance is and what we think your risk tolerance should be. Right. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of different things that go into the recommendations, a lot of the there's subjective lot, yeah. inputs that you give us plus the uh you know the hard numbers that we're seeing and drawing up in the plan there's a lot of tools out there too right that help us do that here we yeah. use a, a product called money money guy it's a financial planning software um really i can just speak to my own experience of doing this in a couple different places um the software tends to be very similar where you go right churning out these financial plans what i think is important about in this analyzing evaluate piece is that if you are looking at this from a fiduciary kind of viewpoint, if you're working with clients, how you analyze and use those tools is the big difference maker. Oh, yeah. You know, I talked about it in, in the first episode about kind of they can be sales tools, right? You can give me all this information. I can go back and paint a really pretty picture oh, yeah. with those and bring it back to you and say, give me all your money and I'll make right. this happen. Um, if you have someone who is very skilled and knowledgeable and has the right ethics and all the kind of things the CFP is demanding of the financial advisor. When they're analyzing these, that tool for you, you're actually maximizing what the tool is designed to do, right? It's give right. us these outcomes. And we punch in the assumptions we think are important. You're talking about inflation and how much is medical expenses going to inflate throughout the time of the plan here. If I retire early, am I going to have enough money to fill that kind of paying for my health insurance yeah. piece? Um, so this is, yeah, this is the stage of it where we go back and really take a look at where things are today and and all right, are we in a good spot to get to where we need to go or do we just need to start making some changes right off the bat on cash cash and debt management right. just to even kind of get us heading in the right direction. Yeah, yeah, it really lets us know where we need to start because uh, like you said, some recommendations definitely need to start before other ones can be implemented and we'll get to that a little bit later on in the show. But yep. 
um, you know, really, you know, that analyzing and evaluating step on our end leads us to make our recommendations, helps us develop the, you know, the reasoning behind what we're recommending. So when we get to our next step, which is review recommendations, yep. you know, we feel confident as the advisor that of why this is in your best interest. And here's an alternative if, you know, if you think there's something else behind the scenes that maybe you didn't tell them that you'd like to see an alternative for or yeah. you get a different inclination now that you've seen some numbers and some data. Yeah. Um, but step four, review recommendations. That's where we're jumping in. Yeah. Talking about what we think is in your best interest to do going forward. Yeah. So, you know, back in step two, when we're talking about financial goals, when, when a client is telling us kind of where they want to go and, and the end goal here, we start to prioritize where these goals fall, right? Yeah. Like I want to retire when I am 63. I want to help uh, the grandkids through college. I want to buy a camp once I step into retirement. Um, but we, you know, you have to have that conversation of, all right, what's number one on that list, right? Yeah. Retiring early and putting the grandkids through, through college may actually work against each other and be something that we can't They almost always do. Yes, it's very <laughs> difficult to do both of those things. So, um, you know, when we're talking about review recommendations, we have to talk about, all right, what was the priority here? We want to get right. to retirement. So we have to start with recommendations that are going to help us get to that goal. Yeah. And then do we have the skills and the, and the strategy set in our toolbox as financial advisors to help start knocking the other stuff off the list? Right? Mm -hmm. and, and we review those recommendations. But that's a good time for a client to come in. A lot of times to sit across the table, we do a financial plan with a client. I kind of give them the results. I almost want them to come back to me and say, all right, why did we do this to get to retirement first instead of yeah. kind of helping the grandkids? So I think if you're out there and you are engaging a financial advisor, this is the time to push them a little bit yeah. and say, all right, why did we do it this way? What were the strategies? What are some of the alternatives that we could have done? Mm -hmm. if, they're, if the advisor is doing their job correctly, they should have alternatives to, all right, we could have done it this way. This is why I'm recommending going this way. Right, right. So and I think this is a really important piece in that process. Yeah, and it's not uh, one and done, like you said. It's, you know, there's definitely room for interpretation, and you know, there's definitely sometimes that you're in a client meeting, and yep, great, you nailed, hit the nail right on the head. The financial plan's perfect. They go back, they review it, they're like, yep, yeah, this really summarizes all of my goals. And there's other times where, you know, you give the people the information and you have your recommendations based on what they've already told you, but you providing that information might trigger something else in their head that says, hey, you know, this scenario looks really good. It's starting to make me think about this. What yeah. if we just tweak it a little bit? Yeah. And then, you know, we, we see what that looks like. And then maybe that sets up an alternative recommendation from and there. You, I think you really hit something that's it's really important for folks who are kind of thinking about getting in into a financial planning relationship or starting to engage a financial advisor that I think it's misconstrued a little bit. When you go see a financial advisor and they give you a financial plan, if they're just giving you a financial plan and that is it, here's today's financial plan, that's a really good snapshot of today. Yeah. The issue is that tomorrow could change absolutely everything about that plan. Mm -hmm. Working with a good financial advisor and a good wealth management team, the, that plan that's a snapshot today becomes a living document, something that we can work with for the rest of your for your, the rest of your life if the relationship is, is right right so as we step into retirement everything is different in retirement you've never lived this lifestyle we've asked you to come in explain what you think retirement is going to look like and we're going to build this financial plan based off of what you think it may look like um 
when the reality is once you start living that we're going to have to change that plan ongoing right because budget is going to change spending is going to change um you didn't know you could live on a boat now you want to live on a boat exactly <laughs> all these things change so i really think that people who think that i'm just going to go get a financial plan and that's it and see a little bit of value in that i really think the value is all right yeah we can create this financial plan but it is now the, the guiding light for all the decisions that we can make in retirement and helps add a little bit of confidence in making those decisions, right? Yeah. So I think um, I think a lot of people just don't kind of see that long-term effect of the financial plan, um, but I think it's I, I think it's really important. I think that's probably the most value. Yeah, um, definitely. Financial plan. And in that ongoing relationship and that ongoing changes to the financial plan as, as your situation and life changes, that's all really part of the implementation stage as well. Right. And in the monitoring stage, which are steps five and six. Yeah. So, you know, in, in step five of the financial planning process, really we are looking to implement the recommendations and then how do we achieve these recommendations? Right. And, you know, a lot of that has to do with, you know, we might have made a specific recommendation. Now let's detail out what you need to do, what I need to do as the advisor, whose responsibility it is to delegate those things yeah. and really make sure we're holding our clients feet to the fire in some circumstances where it looks like, you know, they're, they're just kind of letting it sit on the back burner for too long yeah. and, and not accomplishing things. Cause that is the other big thing about a financial plan is if you're not going to follow through on recommendations, nothing in your life is going to change besides the fact that you got some new information and yeah. maybe you feel okay about your trajectory, but that's why I think if we look at stage four, right, the review recommendations, if you're not pushing a financial advisor, if you're not 100% on board of the recommendations they're, they're bringing to right. you, or you just, you didn't push enough to get the knowledge around why that is the way we need to do it. You're that much less likely to. You're less likely to do it. You know, I tell this client all the time, I can give you the numbers and the statistics all day long, but a good financial plan is the one that you feel comfortable with, the one that you can enact in your life because if, if it's just something that I come up with and you're just not sold on it, yeah. it's not a good financial plan. It's going to sit in the desk and you're just going to go back to behaviors that you had before and, and expect mm -hmm. it to kind of work out. Um, so it, you really, once you're kind of having those recommendations, push enough until you feel comfortable with why those are the recommendations we need to do and feel confident that those are going to help you achieve your goals. Yeah. Then when we get into this implement and help, how do we achieve the recommendations? It's much easier to start taking the little baby steps to get to where you want to go. And yeah, like you said, a good financial advisor is not, you know, it's not your mother calling you and saying, pick up your room, <laughs> but it is, you know, hey, Abram, uh, you're really going to want to make sure you're, you're taking care of X, Y, and Z mm -hmm. because it's a time sensitive thing. Or yeah. we have a tax advantage here to take advantage of. Yeah. Um, so you're, you're right, a good financial advisor shouldn't let things kind of wither and die out there if they're crucial to your plan. Yeah. Um, and if you're not working with someone you're comfortable enough with, you know, Abram giving you a call and saying, hey, I was thinking about you, have you taken care of this? Um, we gotta go back to step one right. and find someone that we do feel comfortable with that. And, you know, normally when Abram calls me, I just kind of <laughs> hit the silence button and push the phone away. Uh, You'd be so lucky that I call you. Yeah, I usually pick up if it's getting close to tax time. It does have some good stuff in it. But, uh, but yeah, no, I think you got to feel comfortable with people that can do that and feel confident with a plan that you can implement yourself. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, as you're doing that implementation stage, the, the one thing that I like to do is actually just set it up as a timeline for clients. So, yeah, you know, financial plan, it's got a lot of different sections to it, a lot of information. It can be kind of daunting when you got the whole thing together. But if you can just take out those... That one sentence that says, 
you know, I'm recommending that you do X, Y, Z, pull that out yeah. and then put like, you know, if you're looking for a new banking relationship because you can get a higher interest rate, just set, giving them the, the link to the website so they can go click it and find out what the best information is that they need to achieve that goal and, you know, give them that extra little nudge. To Even if it's just some education around something, right? So oh, yeah, I've got follow-up meetings all the time. Right. So like I'll cover the long-term care topic on it in the financial plan, but it's such a big topic that I always tell clients like, here, here's the basis of the information yeah. that you need. To just get the ball rolling on this topic because we can spend a whole other meeting talking about policies policy provisions yeah you know looking at extra analysis of, of the, what you're going to get out of the policy and you know the big reasons why people purchased it and why some people don't decide to purchase it and if it's the right self insurance those, yeah. those types of things yeah no i think it's important i also think that if you're going to engage with a financial advisor ask for a sample of their plan what does this look like what am i going to get out of this and then have that conversation of, all right, is this just a today or is it an ongoing thing? Um, yeah. You know, anyone who's listening to us thinking, you know, I, I'm just wondering what these things look like. Check out our website, penobscotfinancialadvisors.com uh, um, uh, or whatever variation of that. I think we have them all. I think we have all of them covered. Um, but, you know, we're going to have a section there where you can just take a look at a sample plan yeah. and see if it's something that you think would be valuable for you. Um, but you know, I think you're you're right on. You got to be able to to implement these things, and you got to feel comfortable about it. Yeah, and then I think just the last thing before we move on to our last step in the process is that in that implementation stage, we are kind of the the coordinator. We're we're not the QB of the, of the right. football team here. We are the head coach. Yeah, and you know, you are kind of our player, and <laughs> you know, we want you to go out there and succeed. And um, which makes sense, right? If I go to a doctor, I don't want to be the one calling the shots, right? right? right. <laughs> if he tells me I got to go home and eat more apples and uh, and vegetables, then like I can go home and do that. Yeah. I don't want to be sitting in that meeting looking at me going, well, you know, you should probably uh, be taking this enzyme or that and doing these things because I don't have any idea. This is why we go to people who spend their lives just taking on education to come back and, and be able to help us with these yeah. topics that are just tough and time consuming to tackle ourselves. Yeah, and that and the big thing there is, you know, we manage your professional network for you. So we're working with your tax yeah. guy, we're working with your attorney and making sure the estate's buttoned up and that everything's in coordination with your goals and, and what is set forth in the plan. And you know that that's our responsibility as the advisor in the implementation stage is to make sure that you know if you need a professional network referral that we can provide that for you and Right. work with you and that other professional network to and most like, times, achieve the goals. And, you know, uh, most of these relationships involve the management of assets, right? Mm -hmm. We uh, we here at Penobscot Financial Advisor offer a financial planning package where you just come in and it's just full financial planning. A ton of value in that. So yeah. if that's what you're looking for, please find firms that are doing that. Um, but, you know, a lot of it comes with this relationship where we're also going to manage some assets for you. I think it's really important to have someone who's doing your financial plan and the management of the assets because you want your, your management of your assets, your investing to line up with the goals that are coming out of that sure. financial plan, right? And a lot of times the financial plan is going to help determine what risk is necessary to kind of get to where we want to go. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that's our job at that point is to implement that piece of the plan, right? We're going to sure. put you in the, the most tax efficient buckets for your money. We're going to invest the money. Luckily, you and I have Sam, who knows <laughs> a heck of a lot more than you and I do. 
um, and can can put together portfolios for folks and research the best results. But you know, implementation is a two-way street. We have stuff that we, we're going to need to do. Clients are going to have stuff that they're going to need to do. Yeah. The the idea is that if, if we're working in unison and you know we have this common goal in mind, we're going to be able to get to where we want to be. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah. And then the last step really is just monitoring. And you know, monitoring can take on many forms. I think one of the big ones within a financial plan is we're going to have cash flow projections and we're going to have you know average rates of returns that we need to hit to achieve our goals. And yeah. You know, when we're managing clients' assets, then we need to make sure that our investment rate of return is keeping up with the rates of return that we're assuming within our financial plan. And, yep. you know, explaining to clients that, you know, it might be a year or two in and maybe investment returns are really good or really bad. And, you know, give them that long-term perspective during the monitoring process that, hey, investment return, yeah, we had a bang up year, market was up 20%. Average, on average, we needed to achieve seven or 8% to achieve the yeah. goal. So, Plan on this coming down. Yeah, you know. Like, yeah, it's. I, well, I think that's. I think that's. That's good, right? That's a setting of expectations. That it, people yeah. always come in and ask, um, you know, how much? How much are you gonna make from here? What's the rate of return on that? And what yeah. can I expect on these things? Like, well, it's what you need to achieve to achieve your goal. Right. What I think the, the more important question is how much risk are we willing to take, and what can we achieve at that risk level, mm -hmm. right? And does that get us? To the goal we need. If you know we only need five or six percent a year, why are we chasing ten to twelve percent a year, right? And just right. setting ourselves up for just monster losses in bad years because we're being so aggressive and so risky. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think monitoring process is fantastic. Monitoring risk is important through this as well. Oh, yeah. Back in March, we had this big drop off in the market. What I've done with clients since then is go back and look at the portfolios. Did it protect us on the downside in the way that we were expecting it to, right? Right. So when we talk about risk of how much can we earn on the upside, if the market is going up like the last 10 years, <laughs> it was great. Oh yeah, it's like, oh, I can take on so much risk. Yeah, and when you see these market corrections, right, and we're uh, three out of 10 on that risk scale, did we protect our downside in that? And I think that's an important piece to monitor as well. It's not as yeah. fun as checking your account when it's up quite a bit, but we're positioned in a, in a fashion on purpose. Yeah, and it's a to the risk. It's a great checkpoint for clients in the monitoring stage. You know, following up with them, it's like, hey, I know we were we kind of pushed to the limits of the risk because we've got a long time horizon, and right. you know, you can hopefully achieve your greater long term rate of return. But you know, you did identify that you would like to be conservative if it's still feasible. Yeah, but ultimately, you decided to stay on board with a higher risk tolerance in search of those higher returns. Maybe we revisit that recommendation because you were quaking in your boots and you couldn't sleep at night and it just it just gave you too much anxiety and that you know those are real life impacts that the numbers definitely will recommend for a long term right time horizon that's take on some more risk hopefully achieve a better rate of return but you know there's that interpersonal there's the if the financial plan is not comfortable to you right it is not one that you're going to stick with and you know it, it's important um and i think you brought it up really well there is people think they have an idea of what their risk tolerance is. That'll change throughout the financial plan. Yeah. As financial advisors, we're going to come to clients and say, listen, we're getting closer to the goalposts here. We need to reduce some risk so yeah. we don't take on larger losses. But clients at the same point are going to come back and have to come into their financial advisor. And if you're feeling uncomfortable, tell them. Even if it's just the education around why they think you can withstand drops in the market like that, yeah. that'll add some confidence to that we're doing the right thing. So this is that big 
progress and update stage, right? And as we, and it can be fun as we kind of cross things off the list. As I pick up my second lizard, things can be checked <laughs> off, and we can we can feel good about it. So, yeah. um, you know, the monitoring piece. Once you get a financial plan, you're working with a financial advisor. You shouldn't just fall into the deck of yeah. another one. And right, they're managing your financial future. You guys should monitor on an ongoing basis. You yeah. should be meeting at least once a year, and then you should be able to call them. Oh yeah, whenever you need to. Like if your goals change, and you know there's a house down the street that's for sale, and it's you know it might be a step up, right? And you need to pull some investments, and what that's going to do to your long term picture, you need to have that conversation with your advisor, and it's going to change the plan. It's part of the monitoring oh. steps. If your goals change, you need to adjust the plan for your goals, right? And you know that's probably the biggest constant monitor is. What are your goals doing? If they're if you're moving the goalposts, we need to be moving the moving the plan and changing recommendations right. to make sure you're achieving. And that just that's an ongoing thing. It will change uh, throughout time. But um, so, Amber, where can people go and kind of see these steps, right? If they're going to talk to a financial advisor, they want to make sure they're checking things off the list, or at least their yeah. financial advisor they're talking to is going to abide by kind of this the gold standard. And sure, yeah, so. Um, anybody with a CFP designation, you can go on the CFP board website and you can look at their six steps that they recommend that all CFPs should be abiding by. And then yep. Every individual firm should have a process page for how they handle financial planning. Uh, I know our website's got one. You can go on and follows these six major steps and the yep. key tenets to financial planning. And, you know, maybe some firms boil it down to five or four steps, but it should follow the same basic outline and they should be making that pretty transparent for clients because it's it's not a point of competition between us and other advisors. If you're putting out a good financial plan, you're right. following these six key steps in some varying degree. Yeah. And if I you're think, not, then- I think the only competition or the only piece of that is if someone's not doing this, right. uh, <laughs> go back to step one, please go back and re-listen to episode one because yeah. uh, they're probably not falling into the, the type of advisor you're going to be talking to anyway. Yeah. But yeah, go out there, Google the CFP six steps if you need to. They'll break down everything that we've talked about. Um, but I think I think at least someone needs to be following some type of implementation schedule, some type of uh, strategy for developing your financial plan. Yeah. Um, yeah. The one thing I always tell clients in my intro meetings when we talk about financial planning is I'm telling them I'm going to put a plan together. I'm going to give you the plan, and I'm going to follow up. Because if you're just taking this thing and running away with it, not doing anything, you didn't get any value. Right. So, yeah. And, you know, it's it's funny that people, there's financial advisors out there who just want to make money, obviously. And we talked about yeah. that episode one. But when you truly get people that are dedicating the time to go out and get that CFP designation, mm -hmm. who, are, who are really kind of devoted their life to financial planning, there is a lot of satisfaction for us to see a, a working financial plan, someone reaching their goals. Oh, yeah. Um, and if, if I'm doing my job correctly, I am doing everything possible to help you get to where you want to go. Yeah. Um, and if that means giving you a call and reminding you, that that means giving you a call and reminding you. Mm -hmm. um, so even, yeah, even on the sixth call. Even on this, <laughs> yeah. No, even we need about twelve to get through me. But um, awesome. Yeah, I think that's all really important. So we're gonna do kind of something new on this show uh, this week. And every time Aver and I get together, we're going to review the results. And every time Aver loses this game, he's going to buy me lunch. So <laughs> what we're going to do is we're going to McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> that might be your pick. We're going to pick one stock a piece that we think is going to do better until we meet each other again. Um, so what's that? Two weeks we got. So two weeks before I'm forced to sit back down with you. 
I'm thinking, and just for everybody listening, this is not a not a yeah. not advice. Not no, advice. We're long-term buy and hold investors. We're just having a little fun. Yes, this is not an investment recommendation. We're we're gonna have extra disclosures on here, and Hannah probably gonna yell at us. Um, so I'm thinking, let me take a peek at some. Oh, you, you did all this research. I just, no research. Just, I'm just going, going to, to throw out a very a very speculative name. I don't even know how to say it. It's a Chinese video game streaming company, D-O-Y-U. They're attached to some big names like Tencent. Um, you may have heard that dominates mobile gaming in China. Um, so uh, I'm going with D-O-Y-U. I'm going to take a gamble on the new DOJ filing and go with Google. Google. We'll see if uh, I'm really going out on a limb there. Hey, you know, hey, they they could get walloped, or you know, they could have a really good defense team and really just give it to the government. We'll find out with this whole antitrust thing that's going on. You haven't looked into it. You should go. You should Google it. Uh, <laughs> so maybe don't Google yeah, it. It might yeah. be a conflict of interest. They yeah, get some interesting information, but it is a really interesting antitrust law that's out there. One of the things that I like to follow in the uh, in the investing in sphere. So yeah, awesome. Well, I want yeah, to thank, <laughs> thank everyone for, for kind of tuning in today. Like I said, go back, listen to that first episode. That one is yeah. so crucial. Number Spotify, two is great Spotify, too. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube now. Anywhere you can find a podcast, you're going to find us. I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing. Check out our YouTube uh, streaming channel. We're going to be on there uh, putting on some videos. Maybe do some live stuff at some point if we're confident enough. I doubt it. <laughs> um, it's, we're, we're aiming to get some market commentary out there, but like, share, subscribe, tell everyone you know. I'm going to get out of here. I'm going to go find a goat. The foregoing content reflects the opinions of Penobscot Financial Advisors and is subject to change at any time without notice. Content provided herein is for informational purposes only and should not be used or construed as investment advice or a recommendation regarding the purchase or sale of any security. There is no guarantee that the statements, opinions, or forecasts provided herein will prove to be correct. Thank you.